We're told a lot of things about a lot of things. And majority of it is a lie. That is the modus operandi of the global criminal cabal. As they have constantly lied to everyone else while positioning themselves and people that they support in places in order to actually prosper off of what is happening while lying to everyone else. I wanted you to listen to this report as it helps define much of what happened during Nazi Germany. Now, after you listen to this, I want you to think about what has happened over the last 10 years. And this is August 3rd, 2023, whenever I'm recording this. But I want you to consider, well, not just what's happened over the last 10 years, what's happened over the last 22 years. Since 9-11, think about what has happened during that time frame that's related to this. We're going to do a podcast about that comparison in the next couple of days, so stay tuned for that. Go back in our archives of truth and listen to our 800 plus episodes of where we've been providing real news plus real information for we the people, as we're all brothers and sisters. This is Neo420 Talks, the podcast speaking truth against the lies. Question from B. Pai, who writes, uh, regarding Jews, Nazis, Communists, Zionists, Masons, would you hazard undertaking the sorting out of fact and fiction in this arena at all? And B. Pai provided a link to a page that was claiming that Hitler was, in fact, a um, uh, w- was trying to get rid of the Rothschilds from Germany. Um, which I think is a complete and utter load of baloney, not only because Hitler was a Rothschild, the uh, the son of Alois Hitler, who was himself the illegitimate child of Maria Anna Schickelgruber, who happened to be a servant girl who got pregnant whilst working at the, the mansion of Baron Rothschild. Oh, an illegitimate son of a servant girl of Baron Rothschild, and uh, his son ends up becoming uh, Hitler. Yeah, funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, Hitler and the Nazis were 100% completely and utterly set up and 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 made it into what they were by the, the international banking community and the international uh, crony capitalists, um, including those in America. Uh, 100% documentable and on the record. You can look at all of the various connections, um, and, and they're, they're deep and multiplicitous. So I'll include some links into some of what I'm about to just go over in passing here, because there is extremely important and... And, uh, and I think I'll have to put this together into a more coherent uh, presentation at some point. But for example, you have the the so-called Young Plan, which was enacted in 1930. It was part of the the uh, the wrangling over German reparations and how are they going to pay and they're they're failing in their payments. So how do we get this going? So the Young Plan was enacted. Uh, it was named after the president of General Electric at the time, who went by the name of Young. It was also uh, funded into existence through with the help of J.P. Morgan. And this Young plan was uh, enacted in 1930, just as the international banking system was collapsing. Um, Germany went into its Weimar hyperinflationary um, uh, struggle. Uh, 
so they had to give it a year off of reparation payments. It ended up never it repudiating the reparations and never going back. The Young Plan was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back during that period. So uh, General Electric and J.P. Morgan helped to set up the, the downfall of the German banking system, which it led to the rise of Hitler um, and the Nazis. And I think we, we, we know that connection. But but interestingly enough, one of the interesting aspects of that is that one of the uh, the bodies that was set up as the facilitator of the Young Plan was the Bank for International Settlements, BIS, in Basel, Switzerland, the central bank of the central bankers. And this is the body that, for example, was specifically identified by Carol Quigley in um, Tragedy and Hope as the arm, the, the, the body, the institution through which the, the, uh, the powers of international capital had a far-reaching aim, none, nothing less than the consolidation of total global control over the financial order. I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but that famous quote about the powers of, uh, of international capital having a far-reaching aim, directly talking about the Bank for International International Settlements that was enacted as a result of this young plan. Um, you can also look to uh, Carol Quigley, to talk, uh, who talks about how the Milner Group specifically was looking, which was one of the uh, the agents, the, the bodies that were created through the uh, last will and testament of Cecil Rhodes back in the late part of the 19th century um, to create the, the global um, uh, secret society uh, structure. And uh, that what the Milner group talked about how they had to get uh, Germany and Russia fighting for each other, fighting for control over Eastern Europe so they could more effectively d divide and conquer them. So they openly talked about having to set up, uh, and, and this was years and years before Hitler even arrived on the scene, they were talking about how they'd have to build up a uh, tyrant and set him up to uh, to fail in Germany. And that's, uh, lo and behold, exactly what ended happening. So throughout the 1930s, after the collapse of the banking system, the uh, Weimar hyperinflation cycle, the, the rise of the Nazis, there's this myth that the neo-Nazis put out there that, oh, Germany turned it around by turning to national socialism, and, and they cleaned up their banking, and they kicked out the Rothschilds, and, and suddenly they had a vibrant economy, which again is total bunk. Their economy was 100% supported by Wall Street and the Wall Street cronies, um, including uh, Standard Oil in cooperation with IG Farben, which created the synthetic oil without which the German military literally could not have functioned. Um, you have Ford, you have General Electric, you have uh, DuPont, all of those companies in there with their production facilities, with the American loans and funding flowing into them, IBM and the Hall Earth machines, all of those connections 100% firmly embedded in Germany. And then as Anthony Sudden has, uh, has talked about, and again you have to read um, uh, Wall Street and the rise of Hitler for all of the deep connections that he uncovered, but including, of course, things like, oh, the, uh, the, 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 the plants and factories of these American corporations in Germany were specifically not bombed during the saturation bombing of Germany. In, in World War II, the uh, German uh, electrical industry was or should have been a prime target for Western bombing. But in practice, uh, the German general electric plants were not bombed. Uh, of the ten major plants, not one was bombed, and a half a dozen others had trifling damage, broken windows, that kind of thing. So what we have here is a very interesting case of an industry which should have been bombed in World War II, but was not bombed, and yet we have American ownership, which raises a certain amount of suspicion as to why it was not bombed. So uh, so you had, for example, the uh, the uh, 
uh, the General Electric plants, one of them completely unscathed. Uh, several of the others had minor shrapnel damage and windows blown out and the like from bombing going on around them. Or the Ford plant in Cologne, the largest Ford plant in the country, and one that the Allies specifically knew was creating machinery and, and uh, weaponry for the German Wehrmacht, um, specifically avoided by the Allied bombers. Um, so again, we know that, uh, that American... Uh, industry and finance was helping the German war machine the entire time. American corporations, only a few, not many, financed Hitler through their subsidiaries. They transferred technology. They transferred material assistance, for example, stuffs of Tetraethyl before the Germans could manufacture it under the joint manufacturing agreement with the United States. And also they financed this. For example, Standard Oil financed in 1933 the development of the um, gasoline industry in uh, Germany, which was needed to fight World War II. Uh, there was the, the connections that lasted all the way up through the 1940s. We know, for example, the Bush family, Bush Harriman, uh, the banking uh, were, were, uh, brothers were were helping to fund uh, Hitler through the back door. Um, and, and that's been, we've talked about that in previous editions of the Corporate Report. There's a very, very, very big picture that I'm attempting to at least paint the broad outlines of here, that uh, Hitler was 100% supported by the banksting, banking oligarchy, 100% supported by the financiers and the capitalists from America, and absolutely set up to be the uh, the, the tyrannical dictator that they could fight against that would uh, that would cause, well, everything that World War II caused, including, of course, the aftermath and the creation of the United Nations, which was part, came out of the CFR study group um, that was funded by the Rockefellers. I mean, there's so many connections here that even beginning to uh, to say this in a general way is, is so much. So I'll include, I don't know, as many links as possible in the show notes so you can follow the, the threads of the story I'm saying. And as I say, I'll have to put this together into a coherent presentation at some point. But the idea that Hitler was fighting against the Rothschilds and was really against the banking oligarchy is neo-Nazi propaganda, completely, utterly fake. And uh, and this should not, of course, be interpreted as an apologia in any way for Hitler or the Nazis. Of course it isn't, um, just because he was a stooge and a puppet of the globalists who ended up getting double-crossed, by the way. He allowed the Dunkirk evacuation, of course, for example, which he could have completely wiped out the British army and uh, Britain would have been his for the taking. He uh, let them go because he had a secret deal in the back door with the British aristocracy, who we know were all secretly Nazis. Um, this is why Rudolf Hess, his deputy, flew into Scotland, ended up getting taken prisoner and held the rest of his life in a prison, or at least supposedly it was him. Again, there's questions about that. But uh, why did they hold him in prison 30 years after the, uh, the end of World War II? Um, because Hitler was double-crossed. He thought they had a deal. Hess flew in with the document saying, hey, well, we've got the deal. What, what's going on? They ended up imprisoning him. Uh, that's when Hitler knew he was in deep doo-doo because he was getting double-crossed. He, he has to enact Operation Barbarossa because he knows Stalin's going to open up the Eastern Front because he's getting double-crossed there. And that's why the biggest miscalculation in military history, Operation Barbarossa, that's why it took place. Um, so, again, so much to go through with this question. But, uh, but suffice it to say, uh, no, I don't think that uh, that Hitler was really against the banking oligarchy. He was a product of it. And uh, to what extent he was a, a willing dupe, a knowing dupe, wh uh, whatever the case is, um, uh, the neo-Nazi propaganda about this is totally off base.